What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Rethinking Youth Ministry, where on a regular basis, we get to sit around the circle with some friends and even make some new friends, and we get to have fun and challenging and hopefully helpful conversations about what it looks like for us to lead this next generation. And I am Brett, and today I'm thrilled to be joined by Crystal. Hey there. And Steve. What's up? And Megan. Hi. So Megan, this is your first time on the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast. Oh my yeah. goodness. How does it I'm feel? So excited. This is Could you be even so sleep fun. last night? No, I was up the whole night. Just so excited. <laughs> yeah. Just thinking of quips for you guys. It's nothing Just but quips. All quips. Quips with Megan. <laughs> So that's the new title. You who, who, who are you? Where do you come from? Why are you on this podcast? Yeah. So obviously my name's Megan. I it work is. here at Orange. With an H. With an H. Megan. Please note the distinction. <laughs> um, I work here at Orange. I am technically titled the design and experience producer. So I get to do all the wow. fun stuff with videos and set design. So it's real fun. So if you ever have an experience mm-hmm. at or near anything Orange then Megan is the one responsible for the experience that you had. Um, if it was good. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, don't email her. Don't, don't talk to me if you didn't love it. (laughs) Where are you from? I was born in North Carolina, but I've lived in Atlanta basically my whole life. Okay. So born and raised. Fun. Yeah. You had a hundred dollars and no responsibility for the day. What do you do? Oh, I'm going to the movies and I'm buying all the snacks. One movie. No, you like have a all day this, of, all no, the no, snacks no, to eat in that ninety minutes. Dollars, not one movie. I'm like making it. I'm making it like a day excursion at the movies. Okay, like I'm unplugging. I'm going to like sit in several theaters. Do you do you own the refillable plastic popcorn bucket? That's per, a thing. Personally, currently, yes, I do not. Okay, yeah, some theaters they do like pay twenty dollars for the movie bucket of popcorn, but then it's only five dollars to get it refilled the next time you go or whatever. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. You learn something new every day. Thanks for joining us for this <laughs> week's episode. <laughs> of, Ministry pro tip. Of movie theater hacks <laughs> and pro tips. <laughs> All right. Well, awesome, Megan. I'm so excited that you are making your podcast debut with us. And Steve, you're not making your debut, but right. it's been a while since you've been on. How have you been, Steve? I've been fantastic. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. So if you have not listened to an episode with Steve, Steve, what's your role with Orange Students? So basically, I handle all of the media stuff for high school here. Very cool. Yeah. So Steve is the one who lets us know things that are cool and things that are not cool. Because I right. am a one not cool dude, if you've met me before. And Steve gets to tell me, like, hey, Brett, it's not cool anymore. And I appreciate that. Can you give <laughs> us an example of a time where that happened? Uh, yeah, wearing my Zubaz pants to work. <laughs> Steve, Steve wow. had to pull me aside one staff meeting and say, Brett, what are you doing, man? It's over, dude. Everyone needs friends like Steve. What are you wearing your Zubaz pants you know? for? And so here we are. But no, Steve's great with this kind of stuff, these conversations that we're going to be having. And Crystal was here, and so we put a mic in front of her. And, just happened to be in the office today. And I'm around. I'm around. So we're going to jump into this conversation today about creating great environments for your youth ministry. And obviously anything we do where we talk about this, there's always the caveat of on any budget, because (laughs) as we've all experienced across the board, some youth ministries have pretty great budgets and a lot of youth ministries have budgets in air quotes where it's like 
however much money you can raise by selling frozen pizzas, that's how much you have to spend on the youth ministry. So we're gonna be kind of talking big picture across the gamut, what would be amazing, and then also talking practically about, okay, well, what could this look like if you have the room in the back corner of your church and you're trying to figure out what in the world you can do? So here's what I wanna ask first, because this is the kind of language that I feel like you hear a lot about creating environments. What, what's an environment? What do we mean by environment when we say creating a great environment? That's funny because that's not what we called it when I was growing up. We called it the youth room. Yeah. <laughs> Remember the youth room is like a cement block basement oh, yeah. room with somebody's old couch in it? Yep. For that sure. was that was our environment. Oh, yeah. And we had student ministries like in people's basements, literally people's basements. And you're like, mm-hmm. well, we're just going to sit on whatever couch has been down there for 20 years. Cool. You know what? That was okay. Yeah. We it loved worked. it. All right. So there's a physical space aspect yes. to it. Mm-hmm. So your, your, your environment is obviously, it's the, it's the back corner of the room. Mm-hmm. The first youth ministry environment I had was the, the double uh, cement blocked room that had the accordion divider that oh, yeah. split the two rooms in the middle which was awesome. (laughs) Um, So your environment is your physical space. It's whatever that space looks like. What else? What else kind of goes into making something an environment instead of it just being a room or a space? Yeah, I think an environment is somewhere where you're creating an experience for people. Okay. And I know those are catchy words right now. They're pretty trendy in most places, but it's where people are kind of escaping something that they know day to day, their outside world, and you're giving them a place to experience something different than yeah. that, where they're creating memories or learning something new or connecting with people. For sure. Steve, what else do you think? What else goes into something yeah, being I an think, environment? Well, the environment even goes beyond, you know, we tend to think in church or in youth ministry that the environment is the actual room in which worship takes place or the speaking takes place. Yeah. But there's actually much more than that. I mean, depending on the size of your facility, but it could be the hallway leading to your yeah. main environment or it's other spaces. So it's all of those different things, which we're going to talk about, but it's not, I think we do tend to just think about that one space where all of the actual service programming happens. There's a whole other array of things you can look at as well. So at Orange Students and with XP3, we use the word prelude when we talk about what happens before anything happens. What does the hallway look like? What does it smell like? What music are you playing? How loud or quiet is it? Just that whole, that whole experience kind of leading up to that is that idea of that goes into what your environment is. That's right. That's right. And we talk about this all the time. And but just my philosophy, where I'm coming from with all of the stuff that I do, which is you know playlists or developing the graphics, or we talk about set design, all those different things. But my personal take on it, which I think a lot of people think as well, but I always try to think about that student who just doesn't know anything about anything about church. Yeah. Whether it's your church, maybe they're unchurched. And so I think about there's a lot of things that we do in church that are very normal. And and for most people in this room, probably we grew up in church. So we're used to walking into a worship service and people are raising their hands, for example, which is awesome. But for some people, they might go, wait, what's that? You know? So to me, when you're talking about environment, especially pre-service environment is what I kind of think about as well, is how can I make that person comfortable? What is a way that, what are things that we can do, the little things we can do that when they come in, they just, it doesn't feel so foreign to them. And that's what a lot of these things help accomplish. You know, one thing that's helped me think about this is, 
And I think, Steve, this speaks to exactly what you're saying, is an environment communicates what a space is for. Every building has spaces, but when you build in cues to what that space is used Mm. for, it just helps everybody kind of understand whether they should be there or not. So Mm. when I walk into a space in a strip mall and there's burlap sacks hanging and there's a picture of coffee and there's a bar and there's a barista... I realize this is an environment for coffee. Hmm. And we kind of want to do the same thing for students that when they walk into a space in our churches, it doesn't look like that space was designed for adults. Right. It's an environment for students. Yeah. And yeah. that they know that that place is for them. Because I have a theory that every student, whether they're church kids or not church kids, they walk into a space and they're always asking the question, is this for me? Yeah. And sometimes, particularly if there's like a long hallway, between the entrance to the building and the actual youth space, there's a big resounding no mm-hmm. on the way of this yes. is not for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like in, in, you know creating an environment is all these different things that we're that we're gonna do partly to help accomplish what we want to accomplish, but understanding that there's an emotional response that is gonna happen one way or another mm-hmm. in the lives in the lives of students. And we're trying to help guide that emotional sp- response to what is going to be the most helpful for what we think is most worthwhile or, or kind of the direction that we wanna lead them to. Would you say that's right? 100%. Yep. I mean, yeah. that's a great point. We all have environments. They're all yeah. communicating something. It's just, is it communicating what we want it to? Yeah. yeah, I think the first question I ask in any place that I'm trying to create is what is it making people feel? So like the whole idea of emotions are elicited no matter where you are. There's a goal in mind when you're kind of editing that process yeah. of what do I want a student to feel when they're sitting in this room, yeah. you know? So I think it's important to think through the eyes of the person that's going to be sitting in the room, not necessarily the person who's making the room, mm. Um, mm. which is hard sometimes because I'm not, a 14 year old girl anymore. Yeah. So I don't always think that way necessarily. My views have been edited as I've aged. Sure. So um, it's hard to get back in that mind space, but they, people know when yeah. a space is created for them in mind. Meg, can I pause in it? Can I ask a question? Sure. So Meg, Meg is a good friend of mine. She's also one of my colleagues and I've gotten to see the spaces that you create over and over and over, particularly for teenagers. Yeah. And you have a weird ability to understand <laughs> what a teenager likes to walk into. Sure. How do you get in the headspace of a 14 year old girl? I ask them what okay. they want. A lot of times I was lucky enough to lead a high school small group recently. And so I was actually creating spaces for kids I was connecting with on a weekly basis And so it was so much easier to create for someone I was connected to. And so it was honestly a common question I would ask to be like, what brands are you looking at these days? Like what kind of feel do you want when you're, you know, sitting in church on Sunday or a coffee shop, you know, um, to try and figure out what do they want and how can I make that happen? So. So kind of big picture, step one is probably almost like on a, on a missional sense, what do, what are you really trying to even do in your ministry? Which you've probably all thought through what you're trying to accomplish. And then step two is almost looking through that lens of someone else when thinking about the best environment to move them forward in that. How do I put myself in the shoes of the students that are going to be showing up or even having some that you're having conversations with to say, hey, if we did anything with this space, if we're trying to help them feel more welcome, feel more comfortable, feel more focused, whatever those big things are, 
how do we get them there? How can we create this space a little bit differently? Yeah, for sure. I think it's also doing a lot of your own research. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of asking for opinions, but then there's a lot of creating your own. Yeah. And so I try to put myself in environments that I wouldn't normally. Yeah. So that I can see how those make me feel too. Yeah. So museums are not my favorite thing in the world, but they have stuff that exposes me to different environment feels. And so I go sometimes just to get out of my own space. Yeah. See something new. Or if we're out just shopping, whatever, instead of walking past that store that we have absolutely no interest in, but we know our students go to do a lap, get some, get some ideas, just kind of see what kind of music they're playing, what it feels like for you, for you to be in there. It can't hurt. Yeah. So I think it's a great tool. All right. What else? What are some other basic steps to kind of turn your, your, your ministry space, whatever it is, your hallway into an environment? The first thing, and I talk about this a lot though, is music. And just the reason being, if you've ever been to, you know, a friend's house or any other space where people are hanging out and there's no music playing, it's, I think it's awkward. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. even if you know people well, it's still awkward because there's these gaps happening in conversation. Whereas if you have music playing just at the, you know, kind of a lower level, but something that's kind of filling that space. So it just, it just helps. If you think about anything you go to, whether it's a pharmacy or a grocery store or a restaurant, every single one of those places is playing music. And just think about how weird it would be if they didn't. (laughs) So I think as soon as, you know, again, there are spaces in your church facility that you may not be able to do that in, but once you're able to do that, even if it's right before people can walk into the main, you know, area in which you have your worship service or whatever, any place you can do that when you can play music in a place where students are hanging out, Mm. I would definitely do that. Yeah. One of the things I love about Steve's job here at Orange is that he previews songs that are coming out and figures out which ones don't have sexual innuendo and which ones <laughs> don't have curse words and which ones don't have questionable album covers and puts together multiple suggested song lists for those who subscribe to our curriculum so that they don't have to think about whether or not they're going to get fired when the next song comes on. And I love that because energy matters so much with yes. what we're doing. Yes. Energy and momentum are two of the things that I think are energy, momentum, and transitions to me kind of fit in there are three things that are so vital that if if you're not doing those things well, it almost doesn't matter how important the rest of your things that you're trying to do are. And so not only music, but the, the, the way your space looks like we're talking about, the way it feels, the way that you transition from kind of the prelude hangout time to when you go into the beginning of your program. What does your program start with? Do you start your program with announcements by asking people to do something for you? Hey, remember this, sign up for this, tell your parents. Like all of those pieces go into this whole idea of, we're trying to move them in a certain direction and environment is really sort of sort of like the current in the river that helps move them that way far more efficiently and effectively. That's right. Does that analogy make any sense whatsoever? <laughs> it yes. totally does. Yes. And one of the things that came to mind when when we were talking about music is you said the kind of music you play, Brett. When a student walks in who is not a church kid Mm. and the thing playing is worship music, (laughs) immediately, immediately it says, this is not for you. Even if as a staff, we would say, oh, it is for you. Like we absolutely, you're welcome. There's a sense of no, 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 this is for that kind of people. I'm not that kind of people. So if it's possible to play secular music in your environment, I think that's a big win. Yeah. Would completely agree. I think when you think about the day-to-day for a student and the fact that 
church is typically such a small part of their week. It's an important part, but it's so different than their outside world. It can be jarring when there's an environment that they're walking into that is vastly different than yeah. what they're experiencing outside. Um, because I think there's a disconnect in, is this applicable? Like, why am I here almost? If this doesn't feel like it's rele- relevant to mm-hmm. the stuff I'm doing every day. And so I think that's an important piece for sure, just to have something. I think relevant is the most intentional way to be. Um, And so just pieces of it. It doesn't have to mean that you are creating, you know, the coffee shop down the road. Right. It just means that it's familiar in a way that they can be comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. In some ways it's intentionality. Yeah. Like if they can just see that there was an intention behind it. They thought about the fact that I'm coming in here today, you know? Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I used to always try to cast vision to, to our team and kind of remind myself is that when a student walks in your space, they are, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, they are making judgments about how we as the church feel about them and sure. how we value them. And then one step more of that, if the, God is related to the church in their mind for sure. So not only is it how the, does the church feel about me, but how does God feel about me? And so when they walk in and like you said, it doesn't it's not for them. And the couches are the Goodwill couches that Goodwill would have said no to. (laughs) And your basketball hoop is just a backboard. Uh, The ping pong (laughs) table doesn't have a net. Like, you know what I mean? Like that, that like, and I've, and I've been there, I've been in those ministries where it's like, but I don't have any options. You know what I mean? Um, But it does, it, it does communicate something. So can we get practical? What are what are all the elements that you can think of that go into creating an environment? So we've kind of talked about, okay, what's in the, what's in the hallway? What does it look like? If, you know, I know a lot of you listening probably do have a youth room and there's probably a bulletin board outside the youth room. What's on the bulletin board? What are some other things, the music, what are some other things that are just pieces of this bigger picture environment? So signage, when a kid walks in, how do they know where to go and what does that sign look like? Perfect. What else? I'd say clear points of connection. Okay. So whether that's a person or just a, an activity almost yeah. that they're stepping into that just gives them a point of like tangible contact. Yeah. So when, some, so when somebody shows up new, who welcomes them? Right. What does it look yeah. like? What does that system look like? How do they get introduced to other people? So a lot of times when we think of environment, we don't necessarily think of those kind of person-to-person interactions, but it absolutely is a piece of the overall environment. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it for everyday terms for us, like if I go to a restaurant and the server isn't intentional about being present and engaging, I'm probably not going to feel welcomed. Yeah. And I'm probably going to be a little bit hesitant to go back the next time. For sure. So it's a really good analogy. There's nobody Mm -hmm. at the hostess stand. Right. I'm going to leave. I'm not going to just walk in and get a table. Yeah. Like if somebody's not ready for me, then Mm -hmm. I don't, why am I here? You know? Interesting. What else? Yeah. I mean, and I'm as part of that. So I used to help with assimilation at uh, the high school ministry at a church I helped out at. And that was the thing is always finding students because those students, you know, the outgoing students, the people who are, you know, really willing to connect with other students. I mean, those, those students are already there. They're your greatest asset when it comes to bringing in the students who don't go there. Yeah. So as Megan pointed out, find a way to connect those people with those new students. So immediately as soon as they walk in the door, they have somebody to talk to. They're not just standing around feeling awkward. I mean, I'm an introvert. I totally get that. So, you know, I would not want to just stand around not knowing anybody. 
and then find a way to assimilate them through that, whether it's, hey, I'm going to personally take you over and introduce you to yeah. your small group leader or to your group or whatever the case may be, but allow those students to be ambassadors to the new people. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, lighting is one that I know that I was always really sensitive about, yeah. uh, in, in our, in our youth space. When I was in Indiana, uh, we had this, this, this sweet youth building, uh, that they built for us that had all fluorescent lighting. Mm. And it was like, Ugh. either the lights were on or the lights were off. Mm-hmm. And either you felt like you were at Walmart or you were in the dark. <laughs> like those were, those were the options. And there were a couple dimmer things on the side, but it just didn't, it, it was, it created challenges. Cause when you walk in and it's just like, fluorescent lights on everywhere. Sometimes that's not a big deal. And sometimes that works fine. And, and <laughs> sometimes it triggers depression. And that's right. It's other, <laughs> yeah. In other ways, yeah, it's, yeah. it's really challenging. And we felt that at times, the energy of our gathering, when those lights were on was completely different than if those lights were off and we just had kind of the dimmers on just a little bit. And we, you know, we had the stage lights, which, you know, stage lights are kind of another piece of lighting, wherever your focal point is, how is that lit? What are, are things washed out? What does it look like? So just the lighting in general, I know can have a pretty huge effect on the energy and the feel of the room in general. Okay, can we talk about stage design for a second? Since yeah, you brought let's do it. Stages up. One of my favorite things has been watching on Pinterest and different websites how creative churches are with their stage spaces. Because sometimes there is no stage and it's just the front of the room. Right. But even then, like you can find designs where people used paper plates with a light on them, yeah, mm-hmm. or inflatable, uh, inflatable like floaty rings for the pool. And I know Meg <laughs> did an entire backdrop of a wall of those for us one year at high school camp, and it was incredible. There are so many things you can do that are not expensive, but it creates some kind of backdrop yeah. to that space, some kind of focal point, so the kid in the room knows where to point themselves yep. mm-hmm. when they're standing, which is a big deal. Yeah. And you can do it. Honestly, you can make things happen for such a little amount of money. Hmm. It may take a little more effort, but it doesn't have to break the bank. I've worked in environments where there is no budget uh, recently over the summer. And to be able to turn a Walmart flat sheet into a backdrop (laughs) is not hard. You know, like you just have to figure out how to rig it up, but it's not the most expensive thing and it's not that difficult. So, you know, between that and a string of cafe lights, you've got a backdrop for nothing, you know? And so if that's kind of the environment you're having to work with, then it's not impossible. Right. So lights and the stage, what are we doing with the stage? The music kind of going along with music is just overall the volume Mm -hmm. Of whether it's music playing or whether it's a band that's on stage or whether it's somebody that's up that's up there speaking, we've all been environments where microphones might be available, but for whatever reason, people choose not to use a microphone because they think it makes them feel awkward or uncomfortable or something like that. But the way that that normal talking, just the the level of sound is a huge piece of creating the environment. Can people actually hear? Is it way too loud and the band plays and everybody's like, what is happening right now? Or is it so quiet that people can't, people on the front row can hear because they don't have a mic, but anybody past that. And then the air conditioner kicked on and now nobody can hear anything at all. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I think most of the time in like rehearsals and student spaces that I've been in, people are strategically standing in different parts of the room Hmm. just to kind of feel how those different areas 
translate from stage, which is super helpful. Just a practical tip of have somebody stand in the back of the room when you're talking. And if they can't hear you with nothing else going on, then maybe it's time to change it up. Yeah. And going back to music for the song suggestions, for example, something I work on, this is a really micro take on something, but if you are playing music pre-service, for example, uh, in that environment is usually when I program something like that, it kind of starts not low, but kind of middle. So it's people walk in, they're kind of hanging out and chatting. It might go up a little bit Mm. in energy, then it might go back down a little bit. And then as it ramps into worship, it might go up and end on some dance thing, you know, to have energy coming in, or if you want to start lower, maybe you're doing a service that's a little more chill, you might want to do that. So it's also something to think about is the energy of the music that you are playing before and just how that leads into the worship set and everything and how you start your service. Absolutely. All right. So I, it's clear around the circle that environment is something that we, that we all value, that we all think is, is important. But I know I've had conversations with people who love students. They love what they do. They love God. They want to help influence the next generation. And they would say about this kind of conversation about environment is it just doesn't, it just doesn't matter. There are more important things to do. It's kind of superficial. What the room looks like, who cares what the room looks like, what they need is blank, 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 blank. So if somebody's listening and they're thinking to themselves like, sure, maybe, but there's just way more important things. This just isn't even on my radar with all the other things that I feel like I need to do. How would you kind of cast vision to them to say, yeah, but this matters to influence all those things? I would say that person could not possibly understand how environments impact a student because if they did, and if they are truly called to ministry, then this would be one near the top of their priority list. Mm. For sure. And not to, I mean, not to make it more spiritual than it is, but I don't think I am when I say that Jesus went from one environment to another to reach the people in that environment. Mm-hmm. He didn't ask them to acclimate to heaven. Mm. And I think in the same way, like, yeah, we have our own church vibe. We, we have the gospel. That's important. We don't need to ask kids to acclimate to us. We acclimate to them. Yeah. And then we bring the gospel with us, not the For other sure. way around. Hmm. Yeah. I would say that, well, two things. One, I would say, have you had a conversation with students about how they feel about it? Hmm. Because it might not matter as much to you. And it might not seem as important to you based on your to-do list that's a million miles long. But does a student that's coming into your environment care? Yeah. Because I bet they do. And I bet that they kind of base their invitation list of friends on whether or not they feel good about being in that space. Hmm. And I would also say that I don't think students care about what's happening on stage if they don't feel comfortable in the room. Hmm. I just don't think that they're able to pay attention or engage if they don't feel like they can relax and be welcomed in a space. Yeah. Um, just like a classroom. Yeah. I mean, you know, sitting in a hard desk and bright lights, and sometimes it's hard to care about what the teacher's saying yeah. up front. Um, if you're like, I just can't sit in the seat any longer, same idea. Yeah. And I definitely think there's something to that idea of embarrassment might, might be too harsh of a word, mm-hmm. but when... When there are when there are ministries whose students are not inviting their friends and they're 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 not excited about bringing new people in, 
there's probably some sort of connection here between that hesitancy and the environment that we are that we are creating both physically and emotionally all these different things that we're talking about mm-hmm. um, because and and that might even be coming from people who are passionate about I love my youth group I want to show up to my youth group and I love being in my youth group but I don't know that I would invite you know whoever to come join because they're not going to have the same experience that I have because of ABCDFG or because of the way sure. that this looks or, or whatever. And I think we all have that tendency. Like mm. I love my house. I love having people over to my house. When my house is a mess, I'm not inviting people yeah. over yeah. or I'm saying, give me a 30 minute window and yeah. <laughs> come over in about half an hour when I like shove things in drawers and make it look yes. a little better. And I think students feel the same way. If they, like sometimes we even even tend to say, oh, they're just students. They don't care if it's messy, if the chairs aren't perfectly aligned, yeah. if there's Cheetos on the carpet, like it'll be fine. But they might feel the same way of not really wanting to invite their friends if they show up and it doesn't look like it's ready for them. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if the whole goal at the end of the day, obviously, is to introduce students to Jesus, but if we're preparing the next generation to lead the church, what kind of stage are we setting? Yeah. You know, like if we're not going to put importance on how we make them feel, are they going to want to take ownership later? Like are, if they didn't feel like this was home, yeah. Then why are they going to want to come back and lead it? Yep. And how are they going to know how at the same time? I don't know what to say because that's really (laughs) challenging. I mean, yeah. I mean, the the whole... The future of the church hinges on this idea. Like, that's huge. Well, and what you said, so when does that transition happen? If they're showing up when they're 15 years old and they walk through your hallways and they don't feel like this is for them, when does that, when does it shift? Like, if they just keep, if they stay connected and involved in that church What's some of the lowest hanging fruit? Where would you say that you can that you can start? How do you prioritize wanting to be more intentional about this? Can we start by talking about free things? Yes. Because the one of the youth ministries I served in when I was right out of college, they had to completely redo their youth space, and they gave me a budget of one hundred and twenty dollars. Mm. <laughs> so there you go. I was like decoupaging yeah. using newspaper. It was a mess. But what I learned from that is there are some things. They're free. Hmm. So like Steve mentioned, having greeters at your door is free. Hmm. Doesn't charge a thing to have a few students who are really outgoing, who will drive you crazy if they're, you know, talking to you right before service (laughs) anyway, put them at the door. Um, The other thing is free is social media. Hmm. So maybe pick a color palette for your ministry. Give it to a kid. There are tons of apps like Canva where they can create all kinds of social media images. And in a digital world, students all don't always understand that there's a difference between what's happening digitally and then when they physically walk in the space. Mm. It's all one thing. Mm. And so they feel like the space is prepared for them if they're scrolling Instagram and see it ahead of time. What else is free? Let's talk about free labor because you know who is free labor? Students. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the number of times I have called past interns to be like, Hey, I really need some help doing this. And they jump on it is such a blessing yeah. genuinely because they care and they're like, Oh, you're going to let me own something. Yep. Great. Done. I've got this. Yep. Check in later. Well, and, and then there's a completely different level going back to being, being proud of something that you want to invite your friends to. 100%. If, if you are involved in not only kind of the ideation and the, the, the ideas of creating a certain environment, but if, if you helped 
put together that pallet wood wall or if you helped paint this side thing over here, like you want to, you want to show that off to your friends. You want them to come and, and see that. Yeah. And then I think there are a lot of times that we don't always capitalize. I didn't, let me say it that way, didn't always capitalize on other environments and the idea of partnering Hmm. within my own church or team, because you may not have the funds to buy X, Y, or Z, but the preschool ministry may have already bought something similar that you can repurpose or, you know, the parents that drop off their kid might have a brand new couch you know, brand new in quotes. Yeah. It's old to them, but they're like, you know what? It's time to get rid of it. Guess what? I've got a corner. Yeah. You know? So I think it's just always reaching out to the people around you to say, you know what? Maybe I don't have the margin right now, but somebody else might. Yeah. You know what else was free to me at one point? What? Megan. she was somebody that I loved and trusted and I said hey I need your expertise and so if you've got somebody in your whole church not just your student ministry who design is just their thing they have that weird talent to know that these three mismatched vases look good on that old book bookshelf and suddenly (laughs) it looks like something out of a magazine and I'm like that was ready for Goodwill at my house bring that person in and let them do the design work because I'm not good at it yeah and I imagine there are a bunch of ministry leaders in the world who are not good at it, but they have people in their churches who are. I once heard Kerry Newhoff say that he hopes someday to pastor a church that he doesn't like very much, <laughs> which, which sounds kind of like a strange thing to say, but I, I love it. It's so challenging to me because so often what we do when we're in charge of something, when we are the, the, the culture creators or at least the culture curators of something, that we... It just has our DNA on it. Some of that's that's just going to happen. That's just going to be what it is. That's why we have to be intentional as leaders for my youth room not to look exactly how I want it to look. Because who gives a rip what a 35-year-old guy wants a youth room to look like? But what does it look like for me to invite people in where I walk in and I'm like, ooh, okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Like, but it's not, it's not about, it's not about what I think is going to work best. That's brilliant. And there is something too, like you're saying, if I've done my due diligence, if I've done my research, if I've had the conversations, if I've read the articles, if I do know kind of what's trending and what direction it's going, then yeah, I, I, I want to be able to have an influence and be able to speak into those things. For sure. But because I love a certain type of design <laughs> yeah. or whatever, like that should not matter yeah. just because I'm the leader of a, of a ministry. But sometimes that's hard to give some of those things up. Because when you walk into your youth room that maybe you have spent a lot of time and a lot of budget money and a lot of your chips in ministry to kind of push towards getting some renovation or whatever, you want to feel a little bit of a connection to it. And what we're saying is your connection to it is not nearly as important as the mm-hmm. connection to that 13-year-old girl who's going to have some very different tastes and opinions than you will have. Absolutely. I cannot tell you the number of times I've created an environment and had to put aside my personal pride because it's <laughs> not a choice that I would make, but the people that it's for are the ones that matter, not yeah. me. So I've personally battled that a few times, and it's hard. It's really hard because there's some creative pride that goes into yeah, that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. It's worth setting it aside at the end of the day. All right, so for a few minutes, what I wanna do is is literally just kind of popcorn around 
what are some of the, the pro tips, the ideas, the hacks, whether they're free or whether it's just super cheap? We've kind of talked about some of these things before, but if somebody literally is just pulling out a sheet of paper and they're going to write down some ideas, okay, what can I start doing in my ministry right now to get more intentional about creating a better environment? What, what are some other ideas for that? The first go-to for me is when I walk into a space, I'm the first person to try and find trash and pick it up, which sounds like a really odd thing to tell people, but it doesn't take that much time. It is maybe a little humbling sometimes, but uh, I learned it from a leader that I worked for for a long time. Uh, He was the first person after a session was over to go around and pick up the trash Mm. because you know what that does? It makes everyone feel like you prepared that room for them. So Mm. it literally costs no money and it steps up the presence so much. Yeah. Love it. And it's just like what Crystal said about having people over to your home. If it's messy or kind of dirty, you're going to walk in and feel like, wow, they didn't really prioritize this situation for me as right. a guest. So exactly what Megan said, it doesn't cost anything. Just tidy it up a little bit. Just get things in order. Even if the chairs are in a row and they're straight, I mean, just things like that shows when you walk in there that you care yep. before they even walked in the door. Guys, we had it in, the, in our youth center in Indiana you walk in the front door and there's a coat rack with cubbies to mm. the right. Worst idea in the world. That's like because all. it Sounds was terrible. There was just garbage and <laughs> sweatshirts and shoestring bags, uh-huh. like single shoes. It's like a- everything <laughs> would end up there. It's like a camp and cabin. It was the church's junk drawer yeah. out in right. the open. And again, our kids didn't care. They, this was their space. This is like their room at home. Like they came in, they felt comfortable no matter. We could have torn one of the walls out and not replaced it with anything. Sure. And they're like, cool. Like this is my, <laughs> this is my space. Yeah. But like when their friends walked in, it's like, wow, that's a lot of, is Goodwill leasing this corner of this space? <laughs> like how much yeah. is that single, is that single shoe? Yeah. So what else? What are some other ideas? What are some other hacks? Um, I was just going to say on the lines of that is have a friend come in every now and then because you don't see everything that they're going to see yeah. with fresh eyes. So just like ask them to pop over for lunch or something and point out some stuff that might need to shift or change. Awesome. So I love having printed large signage on walls, but printing is so expensive. <laughs> mm. But if you want it in black and white or grayscale, if you can get something that's a little artsy looking, even if it's just photos of your students and you have them in black and white, you can go to, to an office depot or an office mask, office max there you go. and, and request the architecture print or the blueprint version of that. They're like $3 and they're gigantic. Hmm. Then a can of Elmer's spray glue and you <laughs> spray it onto not the wall. Don't do that. You'll get in trouble. Um, but you can spray it onto a large piece of poster board. You can spray it spray glue it onto wood. You can yeah. spray glue it onto something that would make it stand up. And then you've got an instant kind of big piece of signage. And part of that signage could be, again, it could be decorative or telling people where to go, which that may be what you're saying, but mm-hmm. I cannot tell you how important that is. Any place that you go, whether it's an amusement park or an airport, I mean, we take for granted there's signage everywhere around us. But if you go into a church, especially if you're a new student and you don't know where you're going, yeah. you know, so it's like make it very clear from the onset, right when they walk in the door, where they need to go, what's over here, what's over there. Don't take for granted just because you understand what's going on there that somebody who's new would know that. Yeah. Meg, can you talk about the cinder block thing that you had us all <laughs> painting cinder uh-huh. blocks until we wanted to die one summer? Yeah, that I'm still asking forgiveness for. Um, <laughs> I created 
essentially furniture out of cinder blocks, which sounds crazy, but I had some, I had a friend make some cushions out of some fabric I found really cheap on sale to put on top. And then I ordered a pallet of cinder blocks and spray painted designs all over them. And when I say I spray painted, I mean <laughs> interns spray painted happily. Um, they were so excited to get to design those. Interns um, and staff and your and friends and, and everyone who works Everyone here. I could rope in. And she say, thought they were excited, but she had them spray painted in a closed garage. So <laughs> it wasn't excitement that they were feeling. Yeah. I mean, it was tedious, but it turned out really great. It took great pictures and lasted. It does mm-hmm. not destruct easy, so... Um, cheap stuff like that. And I think, I think it's a lot about repurposing stuff that you think is common. Mm. Um, like Crystal mentioned earlier, the, um, floaties, the pool floaties, Mm -hmm. I got them all from the dollar store. So I think I spent a max of $30 on that entire backdrop. And it was enormous. And it was huge. Mm. It really took up a lot of space, which is great. And again, tedious blowing those up is not everyone's favorite thing, but for that amount of money and you're like, okay, cool. I can give these away at the end, or I can pop them and not feel bad, or I can (laughs) deflate them and repurpose them later, you know, things like that. And I think there are just a lot of common items that end up turning into really, really great assets. There was a a season of ministry for me where Christmas lights was, was a huge environment change for us is that we were in that, that accordion double room and it was just either the lights were on or the lights were off and just hanging some Christmas lights or now hanging lights. There's a thousand different, a thousand different versions and, and Edison bulbs, like just getting those kind of like light cords that you can just hang down with Edison bulbs, putting 10 of those in a room completely changes the feel from, you know, just fluorescent lights all over the place. Yeah. I think if you know where to look, it's really easy to find stuff like that too. I mean, again, the dollar store, yes, it's a real treasure. You should search it more often. I I found at a Goodwill this last week, I found a huge roll of brand new uh, Christmas lights for a dollar nine. See, that is a (laughs) That's a win. I bought multiple. What? But it's so what true. About, and I hate to hate on fluorescence because we're all kind of, we all have to deal with them. Right. It's just industrial. It's for big rooms, but they really are unpleasant. So they are a part of the thing where you got to kind of have to deal with them. But like you say, if you can do hanging lights or can repurpose lamps, wherever the case is, it really does make a huge difference. Yeah. And let me just say in terms of Edison bulbs, first of all, big win anywhere you put them. Hmm. Still, which is incredible. Um, they've lasted a long, long time. But IKEA, for people that mm. need to know, um, has plastic ones, and they're super cheap. And you can drop them, and they won't break. And you can move them and hang them wherever you want. Interesting. So, just pro tip for you. So, another thing that I feel like is, I don't know where I don't have the pulse on culture really, but I know that like. Pallet wood, like old wood, has kind of been a thing for a while. So maybe it's going out. I don't know. But that was something we took advantage of because you can find it for free. Mm-hmm. People people will donate pallets, those, those kind of things. You just hammer it on a wall. And you can put stuff over the top of it. You can hammer stuff on top of that. If you want to do some set design over the top of a pallet wall, or we had some like rolling pallet walls where we could separate them, throw some lights on it, put them together. It kind of created one big one. If we're doing something for a set, we could hammer stuff to that. And it wasn't a big deal because it's old wood. Like you just pull it all right back and it's back to normal sort of a thing. Well, I learned from Steve that um, (laughs) unfinished pegboard apparently is a thing now because we were trying to build 
a video set. And I was like, I don't know if Steve's right about that. That seems weird. (laughs) And then I went to Urban Outfitters and there it was. That was part of their like window dressing. And I was like, oh my goodness. And of course they're way cooler than I'll ever be. So whatever they they do, I'm like, yeah, that's probably it. (laughs) One other thing I throw out that's not technically environmental, but food And again, depending on your budget, you have to buy a lot of food. Church that I had helped out, I mean, they would actually, you know, give people tacos after the service, which is not possible for everybody. But free food is huge. I don't care who you are. You get very excited about a bag of Lay's. And it's kind of like when you go on an airplane and, you know, you ask the attendant for a Coke and they pour it into the glass and you're like, that's cool. But every once in a while, for some reason, they'll give you a can. And then all of a sudden, you just you feel, feel like you like, won the lottery. Like, I'm I am, in first class. I am VIP right now. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like amazing. So, I mean, we really underestimate the power of free food and free drinks. So, even if it's two liters, whatever it is, but after the service, if you have, you know, little snack bags of something or whatever it is, and you have, you know, Cokes and stuff like that, I mean, it's, it's so big to people. And I, I mean, even as an adult, I'm still like, oh man, there's free food. That's awesome. So just little things like that can make a difference too. If if there is some sort of bakery in your town, call them and ask them if they ever donate food. So we had a Panera that was close to us and that they had been doing this in my Indiana church before I ever got there. So I didn't have to do this. I just got to reap the benefits where on they have to throw things away Yeah. Yeah. because they're not allowed to sell it the next day. And so because it's a huge tax write-off for them, they, they just give it all away. So we would get anywhere between like $900 to $1,500 worth of Panera every single Saturday Incredible. night. And then you just have muffins and bagels and cookies and like literally full loaves of bread that people would take home for absolutely free. It didn't cost us anything. We had to set up a schedule for people to go pick it up on Saturday nights. That's it. Yeah. And so take like call around places. Like we, I know as the church, we don't want to get like the reputation of always just begging and asking for things for free, but there are things that people will do for nonprofits, whether it's some discounts or whether it's like, Oh yeah, swing by on Saturday nights. You can get whatever we don't sell or something along those lines. And even if you don't have access to any of that, find, find your favorite mom at your church or your favorite grandma at your church and have them coordinate some snack baking efforts and just say they're going to run the schedule. They're going to make sure it happens because there is nothing more inviting than warm cookies. That's right. Yeah. And so we did orange tour at a church. Do you remember this church? Was it Memphis? I don't remember now. It's either Memphis or Pittsburgh, but they had warm chocolate chip cookies on griddles at their entrance. And I thought I was going to pick up and move Mm -hmm. to that city. (laughs) I want to go to that church so bad. And I think if students like just had that smell when they walked in the building, that would be helpful. Who doesn't love that? Okay. Final thoughts before we wrap up. Anything else you want to say about why environments are so important? I will say this. I think the thing that I hear the most, I'm lucky enough to get that this is my job, you know, Mm -hmm. like to make things pretty and fun. That's my job. I don't even know how, but it's not everybody's. I know that. And most of the people listening to this are going to have a million other things they have to get done. That's so right. it does not feel urgent Urgent, and it doesn't honestly feel like a passion project for most people. Mm. Not everybody gets excited about this and I've learned that. But I would just say, if you can impact a student, even one that's going to leave at the end of high school and go to college And the feeling that they're taking away is I went to a place where every week I knew I was going to be safe and warm Mm -hmm. and 
I was going to have fun and I was going to get to connect in this one space. If that could be your space, that's a big deal. So I would think that's the goal and it doesn't take much and you've got resources. Everybody does may not feel like it, but you do. And I would say prioritize it more than you want to sometimes. A quote that I feel like I hear a lot, at least in my circles, is um, a student may not remember what you say, but they'll remember how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's so much of what we're talking about, is the, the creating the right environment is about helping, not necessarily evoke or manipulate a certain feeling, but helping create an opportunity for for the feeling that we're trying to get, the direction we're trying to get them to go and understanding mm-hmm. who God is, how God feels about them, what it looks like for us you know, to, to follow Jesus for them to, to own their faith. So it, it matters. It's important. We got to figure out how to, I know the urgent always takes over so often. How do we prioritize the important things, not just the urgent things? And I would say other than, than educational spaces, which are compulsory and they're required by law to go, <laughs> every voluntary place that a student goes, there has been budget and time and energy mm-hmm. and expertise put in, put in to make that a space that they would feel welcome in, whether it's a coffee shop or the store or in the mall, if the mall still exists, because some of them don't, (laughs) Um, skate park, wherever it is, somebody thought about that. And if we are, if we are to be on the student's priority list alongside those places, we may need to put some effort and time and budget into it. But I would also say, even if you're good at this as a youth pastor, You don't have time to do this. Hmm. The other things you're doing are so important. Find somebody else to do this so that you can do counseling. Find somebody else to do this Hmm. so that you can spend time with parents. Find somebody else to do this so you can prepare your message on Sunday. Find somebody else to do this. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I would just say that everything you're doing with environments just to make, you're trying to make people comfortable, just like Megan said, but also it really allows you to cue what you're going to do during your service. It allows them, it's just a good transition to go into worship service and also what you're going to say on stage. It just gives you more relational currency by caring about all those things that happened before that moment. Yeah. Yeah. If your environment is a tool, then use it. Awesome. I hope that this conversation has been challenging. I've been, I've been challenged with this, with some of the things that you guys have said. So we'd love to hear some of your thoughts on this whole idea of your environment, or maybe even see some pictures of what your environment looks like. And so we would love for you to join us on our Facebook group. If you go to rethinkingym.org, go down to the show notes, there's going to be a link to our Facebook group. Uh, Join us, post some of your thoughts, post some of your pictures of what your space looks like. But thanks so much for hanging out with us this week. And if you haven't yet, we would love for you to subscribe to the podcast through whatever your podcast app is. And if you've got a friend or a fellow youth worker that came to mind as you were listening listening to this episode, or maybe that person that Crystal's talking about who really needs to kind of own this for you, send this on their way so you can start the conversation with them about what this vision could look like and what the next steps could be. So until next time, Megan, thanks for hanging out with us for the first time, and Steve for joining us again, and Crystal, as always. (laughs) Because I was here. That's right. You guys have a great week. Thanks for listening.